What's going on, everybody? This is Jerome Moore, host and creator of Deep Disc Conversations. And firstly, I want to say thank you for all love and support, and thank you for exploring the perspectives of social change with me on this platform. I want to encourage you all to like, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube and on your favorite podcast listening platform, and make sure you give us a five-star rating if you're loving the Deep Disc Conversations. I appreciate all of the support again. I hope you all enjoy this episode. Executive, owner, you know, culinary arts extraordinaire. <laughs> Chef Star May, how you doing? Welcome to the platform. Oh, I'm great. Thank you for having me. Man, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to get into everything that you have going on, that you're doing. And uh, we're going to give you your flowers right now. Oh, I'll take them. You, you're making Nashville <laughs> look really, 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 really good. Um, just in the environment that y'all are creating in Anzi Blue. Um, and just for the whole city, you know, right. around food. And so uh, I appreciate you. The city appreciates you, and we're going to give you your flowers while you're still here. Thank you. Oh, Congratulations. You. If this was so drink stamps, we'd be clapping, you know, all that, you know, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking shots and all that. So, <laughs> uh, so let's get into your story. Let's get into who you are. Right. And so uh, I want to start in Alabama, mm. you know. Um, that's your hometown. Tell us what a young chef star was like growing up in Alabama. Wild. <laughs> And crazy. That's probably what most people would say. Uh, I'm that kid that climbed the trees, and I'm not climbing down, I'm jumping, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm from a very small town. Nobody knows it, but uh, it's Repton, Alabama, and it's in the county of Conecuh, which most people don't know that if you come to Anzi Blue, our link sausage is a Conecuh sausage. Okay. I still represent home. It doesn't matter where I go. You know what I'm saying? I've been living here in Nashville for about eight years. I mean, uh, in Tennessee for about eight years. Nashville almost a year now. Mm-hmm. So Nashville is like my home. I really yeah. felt my feel my vibe here. Yeah. Like I feel like I've truly found myself since I I moved here. I love the community. I love the people. It's great. And we love you. Oh, you know, you. and we love you. Yeah. So when I was doing my research, you know, uh, you mentioned that you know that you grew up in a very segregated place. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, wasn't the easiest for you or your family. Um, can you talk about, you know, some of those challenging moments and how maybe they built character, mm-hmm. maybe how that, you know, changed or, you know, gave you perspective on the world that you lived in at that particular time? Uh, yeah, I mean, I tell people I didn't realize until I was a much older adult mm-hmm. that I had been desensitized to racism mm-hmm. through my childhood. Um when you grow up and there aren't many people who look like you where you are, you just kind of find yourself blending in and things that shouldn't be said, you find yourself ignoring those things. Or, you know, I tell, I tell a story that my friend, when I was in school, she was like, she told me I was just dirty. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're my best friend. You just got dirt on you or whatever. Mm. And I'm saying, I went home. Oh no, she told me I was a mud baby. Oh. That's what she said. Not dirty mud baby. But yeah. she yeah, she's like, You're just a mud baby. It's fine. And I'm like, a mud baby. I didn't even take offense to it. Right. I went home and I told my mom. It's like, hey mom, you know what my friend said I was today? A mud baby. Kind of dark. My mother got so angry. I had never seen her mad like that before. And she yelled at me and she told me, Don't you ever in your life let anyone call you that. And I was like, you know, I'm like six or seven. And I'm right. like, what's the problem with right. it? You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't really understand it because we didn't get those luxuries. Mm-hmm. You know, if it is a nigga joke, 
I got to pretend like I didn't hear it. Because, wow. you know, it's different when you walk in a room of 100 people and it's just you and your little family. Right. What am I going to do? Right. I'm going to take the joke. So as I got to be older, when people would say things, they were like, I can't believe you let somebody say that to you. I'd be like, ooh, well, you know, that's just that's yeah. them. So that that was a true issue, especially growing up and getting out into the world mm-hmm. and realizing that those things are not cool things to do. Right. Like people shouldn't be saying that. Or how are you six and seven? Where did you learn it? Right. Right. To tell it to me, right? You know that, you know, and it's been a lot of experiences like that when you grow up like that. Like my grandmother, where, um, you know, and where I'm from is small, but like all the little towns, you know, it's like right. 15 little towns in right. a 30 mile radius. Right. Um, so where my grandmother lives, it's truly segregated. It's segregated by a railroad track. Black people live on one side of the railroad track. White people live on the other side of the railroad track. And we do not intermingle, and we do not mix it. It's divided by those railroad tracks and a general store. Wow. And that is it. Like, I never understood as a small child why my grandmother would say, I couldn't go over there. I have always been one of those people, if you tell me I can't, I will. Right. Just because you said I can't, I'm going to do it to see what happens. And my mom was like, I always take the hard way around things. (laughs) So so did you? Did you? Yeah, of course. (laughs) Of course I did. And, 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 so. and it was a very, I was about 20. Okay. I was an adult. Mm-hmm. And by this time, I was in the military and I'd have been around all over the world and I'd have been around all these people. So, like, come back this little time, like, don't you people don't scare me. You know what I'm right. saying? I've been through enough. Like, this, pff, nothing. Right. So, I decided that that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to go over here. I'm a 20 year old woman with a baby. Right. And they're like, don't go up there. I'm like, don't go up there. I'm going to go up there. Right. I'm my four wheeler ride up there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Seriously, as I am riding up this, the everybody starts coming out of their houses on their porches with their guns and shit. I'm like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't have did this today, <laughs> you know? But being the person I am, I'm like, nah, I'm going to finish. Yeah. Rode all the way to the end of the street, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. On my four-wheeler, I was prepared for whatever needed to happen. I yeah. didn't know if these people were going to chase me right. or whatever the case may be, but... I guess it was just the fact nobody else did it. Right. And they just was like, who is this thing? She could just ride up right. through here like this. This ain't how we operate. Right. You know what I'm saying? My grandmother was so angry at me for that. And I was like, why you mean? She said, I got to be here when you leave. You leaving. Mm. You get to go somewhere else. But I still got to be here. And you can't be acting like that. Right. You know? So the checking not only comes from people who don't look like me. Right. But now they have been my ancestors have been checked for so long that they checked me. What? Right. I'm yeah. doing what's right. I'm trying to do some to make some changes. They they would say probably they're trying to help you survive. Yeah. You they know? were trying to help me you survive. survive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In that in that kind of environment, which was right. a very difficult environment. It was great to grow up, you know, because right. the only black people I knew were all my relatives. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, so that's all the other people who looked like me. Right. They were all kin to me in some kind of way or been friends of the family for right. however long. So those are the only other people that looked like me that I got to see. But you still, most of your family is still in Alabama? Um... My father still. I lost my okay. mom in January. But okay, sorry, sorry to hear that. My condolences. Yeah. Oh, okay, thank you. Yeah. Uh, but my dad, he still lives there. Okay. And um, a lot of aunts and uncles and stuff okay. like that. But most of 
everybody my age or more, we all have moved away. Is it still kind of the same vibe? Like, you know? I mean, I go back there and I feel like I'm in the 70s. Like, okay. you know, it progressed, but not as much as you would think it <laughs> right. would progress, you know? I go back and it's just like going back in time. Everything right. slows down to like a snail's pace and right. you can't do anything in a hurry. Walmart closed at nine o'clock. Like, you right. kind of got to get your life done. Everybody's moving at a quick pace right. up five o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, so in that type of upbringing, I'm, I'm going to assume that that cooking, right, mm -hmm. was kind of your outlet where you could, you know, feel that freedom, feel like, ah, like I'm me. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about that inspiration and how you, how you came to, you know, get into the culinary arts. Yeah. My, uh, my grandmothers, like both of my grandmothers was, Jeez, and so is my mom. Like, <laughs> you know, my dad's mom is Retha, and we have a big family. Mm -hmm. And so Sunday dinner was a big thing. I mean, the weekends, like, it's a part of the music going, everybody right. playing music, and we hanging out, having a good time. At any given time, it could be like 30 to 50 people at my grandma's house on a Sunday. Wow. You know, but she have her rules. You got to go to church. Stuff's got to happen. She don't care if you go out Saturday night. You can stay out at 5 o'clock in the morning. But you are getting out of her house at 9 a.m. Because that's when she going to church. No, you ain't got to go to church. You just can't be in the house. <laughs> so, so that was her rule. She didn't care. You know, 9 o'clock, she locking her door. And ain't nobody going to be in there. You know what I'm saying? So whatever you do is your business. You know. So And then everybody comes over. Like, that was a thing. You know. Growing up, I didn't do a whole bunch of cooking, mm -hmm. but when I did, it was always a family thing. Like, we did everything basically seed to table. My grandfather was a farmer, mm -hmm. so we physically go pick all the beans and the peas and the corn and whatever he grew, watermelons, whatever it is, and in a day. And then the next, it's like a weekend thing. Right. Everybody gets together. We all sit down in a big room. Everybody get a bowl and we shook mm -hmm. all the pills. And then the next day, all the women go in the house and the men cook outside, the meat or whatever. Right. And then inside, we're blanching all of the vegetables for the winter. Uh -huh. And my entire family, my grandfather makes, makes sure everybody gets for the winter. Like wow. you get, he'll smoke whole hogs and whatever the case may be, make bacon and hams and all kind of stuff. Right. And that's how I grew up eating. That's like how you, it worked. You making homemade ice cream? Yeah, homemade ice, ice cream. Yes, yeah. everything. Yeah. Like so, it was. We made the cream. Yeah. I watched my grandma make butter. Yeah. I watched her kill those chickens so that we ate. Like. It was as seed to table as you can get, <laughs> and That's so that fueled my that fueled my love of cooking because even as a small child, I got to see that food brought people together regardless of the color, creed, right. whatever the case may be. Right. It, that didn't matter because everybody got to eat. Right, everybody got to eat. Everybody got to eat. Now, this is another interesting fact that I um, that I found out that you are a veteran. I am, and so I don't know how many people know that, <laughs> but so so. Like, so you 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 go through high school mm -hmm. and everything. Popular, down. I'm popular. popular right? Everybody loves Star. Like that's <laughs> that's like been a thing all my life. I always been real energetic and right. you know fun to be around. I play sports. I was like I was that kid. Like yeah. it didn't matter if you what color or right. what itches was. I always kind of stick up for the little guy because right. like his, he might not have found his voice yet, but I got one. Right. So that's always been a thing. And so yeah, I decided to go to the Navy. I wanted okay. to get out of a little town. 
Okay, and yeah. so you you like 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 many folks though like mm-hmm. they they see the military as an opportunity. My dad was in the navy, mm-hmm. my oldest brother was in the navy, my cousin was in the navy, yeah. and so like and those are like sometimes when you don't come from that like wealthy economic kind of background, right. that chance to really explore the world has to you know initially maybe come through the military. Yeah, and so how was your experience um, in our in our great you know naval? you know, force in the United States? Well, I mean, the Navy was what it was. Mm -hmm. It was, for me, it was an avenue for me to be able to travel and see the world and be able to meet people where they are. Okay. Versus creating a space where they have to come to me. Okay. So that really gave me, that was the first time I ever, you know what I'm saying, where I'm from, you got black, white, and we had like a Mexican family that ran the restaurant. That was it. You know right. what I'm saying? So just to be able to go and see all of these different types of people mm-hmm. and cultures, all of that interests me. So that the Navy fueled exactly what I was trying to do, so it worked for me. <laughs> and so, and so coming from that, you know, kind of bubble, right, mm-hmm. that you was in and being able to be introduced to this different vast of culture and people, like how did you adapt to that, you know, and what did you learn about yourself, right? I mean, that was – Hella hard. I ain't going to lie about that because I'm super green. Like, my parents were very protective people, mm-hmm. like, as, as a unit, because they knew how we were growing up. Even though they did take the time to prepare us for the world, like, my mom made sure she raised three alphas. Mm-hmm. Like, how you do that? I don't know. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but she was able to give us things that we can't get anywhere else. So once I transitioned to that, like, the military was either me. I'm like, not even as hard as my mom, so this is cool. Right. Like, <laughs> so it worked for me. But it was a difficult transition just – Number one, being around so many different personalities. Like, you know, I started seeing people from where they were from. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody from Brooklyn. They were like, I'm from Brooklyn. Like, I know exactly (laughs) how you're going to be because you're from Brooklyn. And then Houston or wherever the case may be. And so through that, meeting these different types of people, I also got, you know, as you make friends in that kind of environment, you get close quickly mm-hmm. so like I was going home with my friends to Washington and all kind of places that I never thought I'd be like right. I'm from a very small place who gives you a very small mind so you don't ever really think about how big you can be right like even where I'm at now I, I never a year ago I didn't think I would be here my, mm-hmm. my mind didn't allow me to think that big wow because I've been put in a place where it's always somebody standing on top of me. Mm. So as you are being squished to this little thing, you don't think about that. I can just move his foot and he ain't got to stand on top of me no more. Right. Well, well, let's talk about that a little bit because, you know, um, you have over, you know, 20 years of experience, Mm -hmm. right, Um, of shelf experience. Yeah. And, you know, you are just now getting the opportunity Right to really be an executive chef and kind of do your thing and be at the top, right? And don't have that, you know, person like that still kind of got their foot right on, right? But right. like, now nah, we gonna keep you right. You right. good, but we gonna keep you right here. Yeah, you do um, this guy's job, right? Just like <laughs> so, so because this is a, it's a, this is another male dominated sector, especially we talking about executive chefs, mm-hmm. even from like a not knowing much about chefing, right? But just knowing from where I see like TV. A lot of times, a lot of the cooking shows, a lot of the, like, the food hosting shows, they are all kind of male and white. And so mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit of how you 
navigated those spaces over 20 years and still trying to be the still trying to shine right still trying to be star and still trying to get these opportunities but constantly probably still being overlooked just simple fact of maybe just your gender maybe your skin color and your gender or maybe you know identifying as queer maybe all the above you know uh plays a part can you talk to a little bit about that oh yeah like that was very difficult all of that i tell people like mm, they'd be like well she black that's cool like my my first 10 years i only worked with white men any place i ever went i'm always the only black i'm all, definitely the only woman in the kitchen but i work like 3 of them and they never they never could understand it so my mother would always say you have to be better and so regardless of what i got to do more right. if they are cutting 10 onions i need to do 20 in half the time mm. So that was my mentality was always to be better. But right. because of that, they would give me things that they think I wouldn't do. I, would, I wouldn't be able to do. Right. And then I'm like, huh? Here you go. Here you go. You got 30 minutes. I'm gonna go outside and smoke a cigarette real quick. I'll be back. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So number one, they probably didn't like my cockiness. Right. I would tell them. I have been to places and I'm like, just let me work for the day. I'll work for free today. Let me just show you what I can do. Right. It's never been a time that I've done that I didn't get the job. Wow. It's never been an interview I didn't go on that I did not get, because they they see my value, right. but then they don't want to promote. This is not the face that they would like on their business, mm. so they always kept me in the background. Mm. I always end up making someone else look very very good, and after about twenty years of that, I was like, I'm sick of this. Yeah, like do something like, else. <laughs> but what about year ten, year fifteen? Like, yeah. how did you? Because I because ninety it, hours a week, I, I I was tell people I have outworked everybody I've ever been. It's been many places. There's executive chefs that walk off. It's too hard. I've been doing this for like six months. It's nothing, bro. Come on, you can do it. Right. That, that guy walks out, they be like, Star, can you do it for a little bit to find somebody? Wow. But what about me? Right. They be like, we don't know if you can just handle everything. But who you think handling everything? You right. think he just walked out right now? Right. No, he been checked out for a minute. I've been doing the work. Right. But it was never, I was never an option. Period. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And so, mentally, right? Mm -hmm. Like when, you, when 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 people are facing those type of barriers and struggles, a lot of times you feel like your hands is just tied. Yeah, I, like, I quit so many times. Yeah, I'm saying <laughs> like yeah, like who so are you times. who are you talking to? Who I, you, so many, who, I tell people I am a jack of all trades and a master of none. Like cooking is my passion. That's what I grew up doing. I right. love bringing people together with food anywhere I've ever been, everywhere right. I've ever go. When people come, I tell people I am home. Wherever right. I am is home. It right. doesn't matter where I live or what I'm doing. If you're hungry, come over, we eat. Right. You know what I'm saying? But it was hard. Like, you know, I, I was a single mother, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, trying to raise a child and work 90 hours a week. How you do that? Crappy mom. That's how you do it. Mm. You can't be the best that you want to be because right. You gotta feed them. You gotta clothe them. You gotta right. give them where they gotta go. So it was like a catch twenty two. I tell my my son was raised in the restaurant. Like I would have servers tip my baby out for feeling like sugar caddies or right. salt and pepper shakers. So wow. he grew up. He grew up in the business too. Like five or six years old, standing on milk crate watching dishes. Like <laughs> you gotta work too. <laughs> that's that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Like it was so bad at one point. I worked so much that the school bus driver would literally drop my son off at my job. Wow. They <laughs> yeah. already knew it. We're just, just going to drop you yeah, off. Yeah, I, I go have a conversation with him before school even started. I'm like, look, I know that this ain't on your route. How long were you doing that? About 15 years or so. 
You my son's a 20-year-old, 21-year-old man now. You was doing that for 15 years. Mm-hmm. I have ran up to five restaurants at one time for like $15 and an hour. Being, and being a single mother. Mm-hmm. For like 15 bucks an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I'm flabbergasted right yeah. now. Good. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was nothing. Like my mom was, my mom, my parents were instrumental in, you know, the development and everything of my son. Like they truly helped. Like that enabled me to put him in places. People were like, well, he was in kind of in private school or whatever, whatever. Yes. Yeah. That is the advantage. Just like as a parent, it is my job to make sure he can get every advantage that he can because right. he looks like he looks. Right, yeah. So if I put him in that private school and he meets little Jake who later in life becomes a real estate investor or whatever the case right. may be, 20 years from now, he'll be able to call Jake and be like, Jake, what's up, buddy? Yeah. So all those advantages is why I was working 90 hours a week. My body didn't matter to me. Nothing mattered as long as he had somewhere to put his head, right. he had food in his belly, and I could give him all the advantages. I would have worked 300 hours a week if I could. How did you avoid from crashing and burning? Because that's, that's a well, lot. Well, and then I was living in Florida at the time, and that place is a little bit different because it's very tourist-driven. Right. So you really only work from April to September. It's mm-hmm. figuring out all those other months. So I had right. to work like that because I would basically, every two weeks, pay my pay my rent twice a month so that it could carry me for those months that I didn't work. Right. When I didn't do that, I would upholster boats or do tile, right. roofs. <laughs> um, I worked many construction sites. Doing, really? Yeah, doing all various things. I build furniture. Them, so them hands can just do whatever they need to do. I, I be telling people, that's my blessing. My blessing is my hands. My heart goes in my food, which makes it great. But if I can touch it, I can do it. It doesn't matter what it is. You need wow. to drive a cotton picker, I'll drive your cotton picker. I'll drive an 18 wheeler, whatever you need. Whatever the job <laughs> is, give me 20 minutes, baby, and we're going to do it. <laughs> I just need 20 minutes to learn what, wow. what need to do, and then it, it is what it is. So, I support him. Go ahead, like my, if you need me to go ahead, and I can, I can go get that load I, for I you real quick. Load, I can go get the food that we need to cook. Yeah, and you need to give me an automatic truck. Believe it or not, I really can drive it. <laughs> this is wild. Yeah, when I first moved to that, when I first moved to Tennessee, I was done with cooking. I was like, screw that. I'm tired of being crapped on, yeah. working hard. I'm coming up here. I'm gonna do something different. Right. So I went to um, TCAT and became an aircraft maintenance. I went to school <laughs> for aircraft maintenance. Really? So I could be working on airplanes right now, and I ain't even cooking in no kitchen. Wow. Or that's what my mind said I was gonna do, right. but that wasn't my journey. Right. So yeah, I was done with cooking. Talking about how it feels for somebody to sit on you for twenty years, I don't even want to do that no more. Yeah. So what got you? What brought you? What got you back? What got you back into the to the to the kitchen? What? Well, when I came to Tennessee, none of that stuff mattered. It didn't matter. Well, and you know, I got a little trouble in Florida. I went to the penal system. I was in prison for a little while. Really? Yeah. Oh. Just talk about it. Driving wild black. Wow. How you doing? I went, I got arrested and never left jail again. Ain't nobody never heard nothing I ever had to say about nothing. Wow. They was like, oh, she looked good for it. She did it. It's fine. Really? Sent her away. Yeah. How long? <laughs> Almost five years. That ain't no small little bitch. Right. That's how I feel. That's how I feel. That was like a nice chunk of life. No, that is. And you getting taken away from your child. Yeah. Who are you telling? So, time out, time out, time out. Hold on, pump the brakes. Yeah. In Florida, driving. Mm-hmm. Wild black. Actually, I wasn't even driving. I was in the back seat, sleep. 
backseat sleeping while yeah. somebody else is driving. There you go. See, Florida and, has this cool little law that a lot of places don't have called constructive possession. When you are around something that is within three feet of you, it is whoever is three feet away from it is yours. Unless somebody claims it. If nobody claims it, it's everybody's. Joshua, this is true. Joshua, our videographer, he's from Florida. He's from Orlando. Oh, hey, Orlando. Yep, constructive possession will get you. Yes, and then it was constructive possession in a school or church zone. Oh, so they got you, they hit you with a school free drug zone. $65,000 fine that I still owe $65,000. I still wow. can't vote. I tell people I love talk about it. I still can't vote. Like it don't matter. I'm I, I am swizzling and voting. Wow. I can have all the opinions I want, but it don't matter. Yeah, Florida That's got me. Crazy. So I was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> so you did almost five years yep. for being close to drugs that you didn't in know car. in the car. Yeah. And so 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 your friend could be like, oh, a star didn't know anything about it. That wouldn't have mattered, or she just she didn't keep it solid. Well, or, it was a lot. It was a lot of things, a lot of circumstances around it. You know what I'm saying? Um, in all actuality, it really. I didn't even really know about that drugs, right? You know, when I got taken in, because I was taken in for something minor, like a ROR thing. Okay. I think it was like some renter center. My ex girlfriend took a computer or something. Right. So I was like, I forgot about it. Whatever. I'll right. go to the jail, sign myself out. I go pay for it. Everything be great. You right. know. And I get there, I'm waiting for hours and hours and hours. I finally get up to go ask the lady. Like they said, this is the ROR, which means I can sign myself out on my own recognizance. How long will that process take? Right. She was like, she started chuckling at me. When I asked, she was like, <laughs> I was like, uh, uh. I'm like a little, you know, I'm like, what, what the hell's going on? You know what I'm she looked, and she slid me this paper. The bond was $250,000. Mm. So then I'm like, whoo, for, <laughs> I'm like, for $250 laptop for right. rent yeah. So um, I went through reading the charges. Okay. So after I go through read the charges, it's like my brain are now starting to process this information. When I was getting processed into the facility, mm-hmm. you know, they check, your, they check your shoes off, they check your feet, they give you a good rub down, take your belt, all your stuff. And I saw the officer whose car I was in walking in with a bag on her pen. I didn't think nothing about it. I didn't think it had nothing to do with me. Right. I'm going on with my life. Right. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. Comes to find out, she said that she found that in her car where I was. I am handcuffed in your car, ma'am. Right. Where did I get this from? Right. So, but I never got out of jail. Period. So, from the time you got locked up, you was locked up. I was locked up. I never got out again. Not for five years. Not till uh, 2008. This happened wow. in like 2004 or five, something like that. Wow. So. So, I never got an opportunity to even speak on it. Right. Yeah. So, it was, it was no, what it was. No trial, no nothing, no... Yeah, but I really, I tried, you know what I'm saying? But, well, actually, at this point, I've been sitting in jail for like nine months. The man come, he was like, you know what? We're just going to make a plea. You never been in trouble before. You ex-military. You just, like, literally, I had just got out, like, literally, like, months. So he was like, you ex-military, you should be great. I'm like, cool. We go to court. The judge was like, no. No plea deal. Yeah, you go to prison. Ha. I was like, uh, 40-something months. I'm like, what? What you mean? 
My mom was there. They were coming. They thought they were coming to pick me up. Nah, they were saying goodbye. They didn't know it. All wow. of us were saying goodbye. They didn't know it at that time. Your independent penitentiary system. Mm-hmm. What is that experience like for you? Well, fortunately for me, I because my mother was awesome at training her children in life. Mm-hmm. Again, I got to come back to that foundation right. of growth from young childhood. So I didn't have a bad experience at all in prison. I probably should have, but... Why do you say probably should have? Because the environment and the culture of prison is not a place where people can be rehabilitated. Right. It's not, it's not a place where after that it's going to be very hard to succeed because you basically put people in a cage. Right. No, you are in cages. You expect cage. them to yeah. be civilized once right. you release them from a cage. Like, right. how, do you, how do you think that that's going to work? It, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So it was important to me. So luckily in prison... Once you go through, you have to take all these tests, and then, you know, it's kind of like you're a show pony now. You, you know, they talk to you, send you to all the therapists, all the doctors, check everything out. Now you're mm-hmm. a piece of property. Right. Something owns you. You're a slave. I am a slave you're to a the slave. state of Florida. You're a slave in the state of Florida. So, because I'm a well-spoken black girl from Alabama, mm-hmm. of course they put me in a good prison. Right. <laughs> you know? And they put me in an educational prison, which was good for me. It gave me the ability to be able to take classes and do different ordinary different things. I took horticulture and right. you know what I'm saying, some office classes, whatever, whatever. But I was bored with that. And so eventually I became a teacher. And I taught people, I taught adults with learning levels K through three, third grade. In prison. In prison. Wow. And I had a class of 17 ladies. Now, none of those ladies could read over third grade level. Now, how they expected them to be able to function in the world and not do what they were doing before they got here, I'll never know. Wow. But if you can't read more than a third grade level, you can't even, you can't fill out a job application. Do you, do you feel like you being in that role for those women that was in there kind of, you know, helped you build relationships and, you know, they like this you start shining again. Mm-hmm. Start being that person that, you know, everybody likes um, always fight just, for the little yeah, guy. Yeah, and always fight for the little guy. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, for sure. Like, I still have a relationship with a lot of those people, believe it or not. Um, we had a little group that we would get together, women helping women. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We would meet every week. All of those ladies are very successful entrepreneurs currently. Everybody. Wow. If you're not real estate or um, boat sales or whatever the case, uh, it was 11 of, of us. And out of 11, I think nine are entrepreneurs, and the other two got real good jobs. So. Yeah, no, that's 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 pretty good. For yeah, me, so you know. I truly believe that I, my main thing was not to get stuck in here, not to let this become my life. This is not right. my purpose. This right. is not what I'm supposed to do. So that would be my mantra every day right. when I get up. This is not my life. This is not my life. We're gonna stay focused on what you want your life to be. During this time, um, what was your relationship with your son like? I didn't have one. Mm. My mother was a tough love mother. She like I just told her she don't play no games. So, right. you know, when the people said I did it, she's a law-abiding, godly woman. I did it. It is what it is. Like right. 
I will take care of your son. I will make sure he has everything that he needs, and we will treat him with all the love, and he will never know. But I got uh, one phone call a week and one, like, maybe a couple papers he may have colored or right. something once a week. But that was it. Right. Wow. So mm -hmm. you get out of prison. And what we know about the prison system is once you have that felony on your record, right, it's, it's that felony itself is a life sentence. Mm -hmm. It prevents you from having access to employment. It prevents you to have access to housing. Um, it degrades you. It, it's, it's a stain. You can't vote. You, you, you lose a lot of freedoms, a lot of human rights, right, just because you may have made a mistake and you did your time, but the world won't let you forget about it because right. that elf is there. How has your life altered, changed, for better or for worse, once you got out of prison? The day I got out of prison, they give you $100 and just kind of like, see you. Good luck. Good luck. You know? Are you on papers or anything? You or you? Yeah, I was okay. when I first got out. Okay. Um, so I, I was like, well, lucky for me, I got a particular set of skills. Right. Should be easy for me to find a job. I put that out. 180 resumes and applications before I got a call back. Mm, and when they called me back, it was an $8 an hour job. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? But I need a job. Right. Every job, everything is a stepping stone. That don't mean that where I got to be stuck at, but this right. what I need right now. I need some money. Right. So if it's $8 an hour, it's $8 an hour. So I worked that job. And I did everything that I could do. And I just kept applying and kept applying and kept applying. And eventually somebody saw me and it was like, you dope. Can you, uh, you should come work for me. And I was like, okay, where you working at? And then they were like, we'll pay you $15 an hour. I was like, yes, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> for Double from, what I'm making yeah, now. Yes, I went from 8 to 15 in right. my life. I'm like, whoa, that's amazing. <laughs> so after that, I mean, it was always hard to find somewhere to live. It was just hard to be, period. Right. Like, everything is harder with, the, with that felony on there. And Which you still have. Which I still have, yes. I still do have it. And um, I'm always very open and honest about it. Usually when I love to see people's faces when I tell them. Like I just right. told you, yeah, like, the yeah. face is always the yeah. same. Prison. Disbelief. Do right. what? That's right. you. Right. That's like, what threw me off. Prison. Because yeah. you can have a felony without going to prison. Yeah. And so when you say prison, hold wait mm -hmm. a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when when people hear, especially after they've met me yeah. and had conversations with me and saw right. me and stuff, they always like, huh, never would have guessed that. Yeah. I'm like, Psh, me either. <laughs> me either. So, yeah, that, that, that felony is definitely a difficult thing. I mean, it's been so many years ago now, and the fact that I still can't vote, that bothers me so bad. Try Because I have so much can, to say. Can you... Is it not an expungible? Is it I'm, not an expungible felony? The state of Florida only allows you to expunge one thing, one felony, one. I'm like, y'all gave me like three of them. So what's the purpose in doing one? Wow. <laughs> yeah. So um, I got people working on it right now. Hopefully, okay. hopefully by the time we get the vote again, I'll be able to vote. Right. I'm gonna make everybody go with me. We are gonna make it the whole okay. day. I make my son vote because I can't. Well, nah, like yeah, you got something. I go yeah, with him, yeah. hold his hand. I be feeling like a whole adult. That, that one, that one. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah. Right Vote right there, okay? That's what I wanted. <laughs> this is this is this is just apparently amazing oh. because again, well, people I'm pretty sure that have have met you in this new environment, 
probably not saying, oh yeah, no, she she did a five year bid. You know, mm -hmm. she you know they not they that's not at the top of their mind. Nope. You know, they top of their mind is Chef Star May, Anzi Blue can cook, can cook, can do do yeah. her thing, mm -hmm. right? And so like I'm I'm like I'm be interested in how many people hear this and be like, dang, she did prison time. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I be telling people my bounce back game so strong. It is like you don't you yeah. don't give up you don't mm -hmm. stop because Ain't nobody so, got time. So many people would have said you know one working ninety hours a week. Hold on, wait a minute. Okay. Well, I had to work them now. Now you see why I had to work those ninety yeah, yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah. With that felony on there, right? I really had no choice. So, right. like I tell people, like I tell you, I work harder than everybody. I push harder than everybody. I really had no choice. Right. With that felony following me, I have to let you see my work. Where you are is yeah. is, is amazing. Yeah. Like where you are today is yeah, amazing. amazing. I still wake up sometimes and be like, fam, is like, this my life? Like, like damn, <laughs> I, I, I did this? I'm here? Yeah, maybe. Wow. Yeah. So <clears throat> I want to get a little deeper um, into, into, into who you are. Okay. And how this kind of plays into, like, especially the workforce for women. Because we know there's a pay gap, yeah. you know, in pretty much every sector when it comes to men and women, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's definitely a pay, pay gap, black women, white women. There's this pay gap. It's, it's just a lot of pay gaps. Yeah. Um, a lot of disparities, right, in the, in the workforce. Um, but I also want to talk about, because it's such an important issue as far as this is the gay community, yeah. right? And the, the the layers of extra barriers, right, with, with that, Um when did you start identifying as queer? Um, is that something that you always knew you were? Or is that something Oh, that... yeah, that's always been a thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, mm, I'm trying to remember when it was. Yeah, thing. yeah, no. Like, you know, because, again, because, you know, um, being from the South. Yep. You know, um, and, and just not, just not, this culture in general, even black culture, it can be stigma. When it comes to the gay community, how we look at that, we frown upon it. Ah, this, you know, even though it's always existed, right? It's just something that we kind of try to turn a, you know, a blind eye to. Mm -hmm. And so, how was that coming out for you? When did you start really claiming it? Like, hey, this is who I am. Right. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. Um, of course, you know, <laughs> that was a little difficult. Like, my mom's a minister, and mm. we went some years without speaking, like... So when did you when did you come out oh, and identify, like... I might have been, like, 20. Okay. I might have been, like, 20 years old. Okay. Something like that, and I was like, this me. It is what it is. Suck it up. Right. You know what I'm saying? Let's agree, not disagree. Right. You know, you know what I'm saying? Look away. <laughs> it's right. free country. You ain't got to look at me. <laughs> look yeah, away. exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean... You know, especially in the black community, like, it's just not cool. You know, I always had that, you know, everybody got that one uncle. He got a little sugar in his tank. You hear him whisper when he come back, got a little sugar. Right. What that street. mean? Got a little sugar, a little sweet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, dang, I don't want to be the sugar sweet guy. <laughs> I ain't going to tell nobody I get grown. Uncle <laughs> Jimmy got a little sugar. Oh, I don't know what that mean, but <laughs> that, I don't want that. Boy, only black folks can put something together. Like, right. Put together a terminology like sugar in his tank. Yeah, like, got a little sugar in his tank. You know? Like, who came up and with that? And then I love it when they be like, you know, Jimmy, 
That's what they do with their hand. What they supposed to be? Little sugar? That's sugar? I didn't know. <laughs> he got a little shake. So what is that? If you break that down, should I be afraid? <laughs> like, and I, tell me what I need. Cause you, okay, I get it. Just let me know, though. It's something I should be fearful of. Yeah. My grandma used to be like, stuck at the gate. Stuck at that gate. <laughs> like, come on and catch it. Oh, I didn't promise I didn't catch it nowhere. Man. I already had it. I'm giving it to people. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was a little difficult. And then, you know, tried to explain as a single mother how you got this kid. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to be gay. Like, that was a whole thing, too. Right. But it's great. Everything was great. Yeah. Like, I tell people my son is probably one of, like, the most open-minded People I know, and I was like, I look at him all the time. I'm like, I did that. Okay. Have you have you been able to use this that that story specifically to help people grow and learn? Because mm-hmm. um, many of us are not exposed to it, um, specifically in like the black black community. Even if you're exposed, again, you were like, ah, you know, I'm, you 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 have people like shielding you from it, right? Yeah, yeah, a little sugar in your thing, right? Yeah. And so. Um, I would say just like probably over the last 10 years, you know, people are really starting to, you know, understand like things that are harmful, hurtful, uh, specifically to the gay community that, you know, you've been conditioned to do, not knowing that you're offending the whole group of people. Right. Um, I'm sure you've had the opportunity to let people that, you know, probably say dumb things or ask you dumb questions about your identity to like, hey, look, let me help you out. Let me, mm-hmm. let me, let me, let me help you grow and learn if you're willing. Cause some people just, they're going to think what they're going to think. They're going to have their views. They're going to have their perspectives and you really can't do I, nothing with those. If folks. you open, I'm open. You want to know, I'll show you. Right. Yeah. If you don't want to know, we ain't got to talk. Right. It's really up to you. I like right. to give people choices and right. like, because it makes it easier instead of just making people do things. Yeah. Like you just, you want to talk about it? No, nah, we ain't got to. Right. Let me know how you feel about it. You know right. what I'm saying? So I have this, I have this phrase I like to say. It's called dying empty. I tell people I grew up very religious. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember sitting in church and they'll be like, you know what I'm saying? God, fill my cup. You know? And I'm like, okay. But what happens when the cup is full? What do right. you do? You got to empty it. So mm-hmm. everything I learn or any passage I get or any phrase I feel may help or anything I could do, I want to empty my cup. Yeah. So as it feels, I want it to be refilled with new things right. all the time. So I'm constantly teaching and showing and sharing yeah. because that is how people can change and grow. As you know, everybody is on a growth journey in life, regardless of their age or mm-hmm. color or creed, whatever right. the case may be. Everybody's on a journey every day, and through that, I hope growth happens. Right. And if I can assist you in your growth and you help me with mine, I'm with it. So, how do you plan, or how are you already doing, like using your 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 black female queer voice? Right to to advocate for others, right who who may not found their voice yet, right taking up for the little guy or the right. little woman, mm-hmm. right. Um, how have you been able to do that um, as you've been able to grow, as you've been able to be on the high pedestal, right, mm-hmm. uh, and really get all of those flowers that you've been deserving and being recognized for your hard work. I do what I say I'm gonna do. Mm. I be who I say I'm gonna be. I try not to deviate too much from the plan. I tell people. Um, 15 years ago, my best friend just moved here to be my executive sous chef from Florida, right? She just moved here. She'd been here like six weeks. 15 years ago, we had a horrible day at work. This is the first time I ever got to work in the kitchen with another girl. It was amazing. I loved it. But we had a very hard day at work. Mm-hmm. And we went to the bar, have drinks. We take a shot. 
You know what I'm saying? Drink a beer. Take another shot. I look at her and I'm like, one day, we're going to run the show. It ain't going to be no man to tell us what we got to do. We just going to do whatever we need to do. It took 15 years for that seed to grow. But now we're here. Right. And we're doing it right. every day. We're here for each other and we're working. That's not the only person. I have brought so many people with me mm-hmm. along this journey because that has been the task all along. Right. I meet them in life and I'm like, you know what? One day, we're going to do a lot. Yeah. We're going to be something yeah. bigger. It may take some time. Right. I've had people who have followed me around from job to job for years, like literally years. I'll call them and be like, hey, you want a job? Right. Because they're in the same predicament as me. They have a hard time getting a job. They might have a felony or, like, one of my best friends I moved here with me, he didn't have a driver's license for 15 years. He didn't have a driver's license for 15 years. You get, it's hard to do anything with a driver's license. Right. He's driving now. And you know the people going to get you. Right, eventually. Eventually. Right. You know, the odds weigh, <laughs> right. and eventually people right. going to get you. Right. But you know what? I moved him here February 2020. Got a driver's license. He got a great job making $60,000 a year. Doing amazing. Wow, you just an you just an amazing human being. I try my best. That's my job. As that's my charge to keep. Yeah. As the old people would say, it, everybody, it, the world we live in, it's so much negativity. Right. That I f- seem like an oddity. So now, let's get to the haters. Haters. Let's get to the negativity because they say you ain't you ain't got you ain't popping if you ain't got haters. Yeah. And you popping. So therefore, therefore, <laughs> there's haters, right? And so um, it's unfortunate that everybody don't want to see you do good. Right. Everybody don't see, want to see you win. Right. Um, how have you combated and navigated that? You know, oh, Star don't deserve that. If I was Star, I would have done this. Oh, Star thinks she's better than everybody. Oh, Star think you know, woo do woo right? Because mm-hmm. it's out there, you yeah. know, um, whether you hear it or not. Yep. You know somebody saying it. Mm-hmm. How have you navigated that piece of your newfound just being, success, your greatness, your black excellence, your woman excellence? How have you navigated that and responded to those folks um, that you know that's out there? Well, I feel like those people project how they feel. Mm-hmm. So because I have an understanding that it's not me, they might want to be where I'm at, or they may have should have did, made a different decision, mm-hmm. or something may have happened. They are saying those things about me, but it's really not about me. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't take those things personally because I know that that is projection. You are projecting right. that on me because you want to do better. Right. And you can just do better. You don't got to hate on me. Right. It's no purpose. They're really fans. I, yeah, they, you're really my fan, and you don't... Ain't enough people hating, so you like right. somebody gotta do it. It might as well be me. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I don't. I take that stuff in, in stride. I take the negative along with the positive. As long as my name is being spoken, I don't care how it's being spoken. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Nashville, Tennessee. Ooh. It city, as they say. You know, I was born and raised it. Okay. I'm a native. Right. And so um, we've come a long way as a city. Went from a big town to a major city now. Right. right? We, got, we got major chefs now. You know? <laughs> um, what do you see, you know, your impact continuing to be here in Nashville, especially 
um, from an executive chef uh, role, community role, because, you know, um, a lot of times, you know, people don't grow up, um, you know, they see their mamas, their grandmamas cooking and stuff like that, especially as young men. You're like, I oh, will, you know, home economics and stuff. That's, you know, women get got that. But I might want to be a chef. I right. might want to, as a man, as a boy, I might want to grow up and get, you know, do my thing and be, you know, you know, chopped and all that good stuff, right? Yeah. Um, what do you want your impact to be in the, in those type of things here in Nashville as we grow as a city, as we become more popular, as more people are, you know, doing major things and, you know? Well, my, I feel like Nashville is such a melting pot. People mm -hmm. come from everywhere. So I feel like um, some places here, it's, it's very chopped. Like, you know, black people hang out right here. And then these kind of people hang out right it's here. It's diversely segregated. And yeah, it's diverse. It's definitely diversity. So everywhere I am, it's no such thing. Mm. It doesn't exist. I, right. I tell people we have drag brunch, and I, I love it. I seen that. Yeah, that was I, different. I love drag brunch. Yeah, we we originated. I don't care what nobody say, because I do Saturday drag brunch. Nobody do that. <laughs> uh, so I love to see the crowd. It's yeah. from little kids to 70-year-old ladies, black, white, Mexican, Puerto Rican, Guatemalan. They are everything. I go stand in the front and just take a photo. You know, somebody the other day called me the queen of diversity in Hillsborough Village. <laughs> you can literally come in Anzi Blue at any time. You don't know what you're going to get. Right. I love that. I yeah. think that it should be somewhere like that everywhere. I tell people I'm not building a restaurant. It's not about a restaurant for me. I hate neighborhoods mm. just because of the last part, hood. Right. Regardless of where you go, you will never have a community in a hood. Right. So you're building a community. I'm building a community. These are not my customers that come into my restaurant. They right. are my guests in my home. I heard a neighborhood is a is a is a is a bucket of water with a hole in it. That is. That's what I heard. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, it's like the broken window theory. You know about that? No, it's the broken okay. Window. The broken window theory is, um, if you have a home, and the window is broken and it is boarded up. What does it do? It devalues your neighborhood. Right. Now, what if you have five of those homes in your neighborhood? It devalues even more. Right. So, in the neighborhood. Yeah. So, what I am noticing about as, you know, we got a lot of influx of Californians and New York people from New York, <laughs> you know, bringing that in truly is starting to diversify the place. Mm -hmm. And I want to lead the charge in that. I, I don't want a little, growing up, I, I didn't have nobody to watch on TV that looked like me. Right. I ain't never seen nobody like me cooking on no TV. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I never got the opportunity to meet anybody like me. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love it. I go out yeah. and meet all the kids. Any culinary programs, call me. Yeah. I'm going to come out and talk to the kids and hang out. Yeah. I promise you it'll be a great message. They'll Everybody leave happy and good mood. So this is, this is, my, <clears throat> this is my worry, though, as a native. Because mm -hmm. you mentioned something that I think is very true. There's these great people from other cities and states that's coming into Nashville and taking advantage of all of the things that are amazing here, right? And um, sometimes, you know, the natives can kind of feel, you know, left out or feel like they're being kind of uh, displaced or replaced. Mm -hmm. Pushed out. Uh, yeah. And so uh, what I try to do is try to encourage those like myself that grew up here. We got to take advantage, too, just like all yeah. these folks from California and New York. You got the same opportunity. Like right, same opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know, and they probably coming from, from they, a lot of them coming from cities that I've already kind of grew and popped. And they see, they see, oh, it's opportunity here. Mm -hmm. And so that's why when I see you um, 
um, hosted like campaign kickoffs, like yeah. for uh, Khadijah Bab mm -hmm. or Marcus Shoot, uh, you know, natives here. Mm -hmm. uh, having um, uh, comedy mixed things with Josh Black. Yeah. I kind of lift some because, you know, we go all the way back to <laughs> North Nashville, you know, right. but like native here as well. Yeah. And so I, I really appreciate, you know, when. Uh, when I see y'all doing those things too, mm -hmm. and mixing, you know, the 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 old with the new or the originals yes, with the with the exactly. with the new, you know. Yeah, so my that's, business that's partners are, na are native Nashvilleans. There we go. There, there we go. So it's important to me. I don't want to change the community without it. Without yeah. the community. Yeah. So I jump in there too. I be at Hadley Park. <laughs> I be, you know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. hanging out too. Like yeah. I'm going all the places. Everybody yeah. else go. Like I didn't believe it or not. I didn't know a lot about like local things. Somebody's yeah. been showing me local things lately. Like it's a crap ton of like black owned, black brand businesses in Nashville, which I had no clue about. Man, look, I tell people all this. Look, on the surface, yes, Nashville is a is a very white city, right? But it's it's but it's really but it's really a black city at the same time because everything I believe derived from greatness in Nashville has been it's all blackness. Country music, blackness. Jubilee singers, black music in general, blackness. You know, education. I was talking to someone the other day, like, and I was like, you know, I love history, so I'm like, uh, did you know Music City got the name? They was like country music. I'm like, no, not at all. Period. Jubilee singers. Oh, Fisk. That's where it came from. Yeah, That's yeah. how it became the music city. You know who gave them that name? Who gave them that name? Queen Elizabeth. There you go. <laughs> they yeah. said, y'all must be from, y'all sing so beautiful, y'all must be from music city. City, yes. And that's how it became, that's how it became the <laughs> name look, of the town. Look, people got to understand and know, you know, yeah. you know, outside of Atlanta, you know, we got the most HBCUs. Yeah. You know, like, so I'm always going to big up, you know, I go on a tangent here, but yeah. But and I, I tell but people, I you got to think about that. it. Here, I tell people, I'm from a small town in Alabama, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, like, is not very educated. The people are not very educated. They're not, you know what I'm saying, so on and so forth. Um, things are much better now, you know right. what I'm saying? But black people have been getting educated here since, like, the 1850s. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. different than anywhere else in the country. I'm like, it was people still living in slave mentality, but they were here going to school, yeah. learning to be better. Yeah, Harry, becoming doctors. Doctors, like, like, yeah. yeah. So, like, so yeah. to me, that's amazing. And I, I was really drawn to that. And that type of community depth mm -hmm. means a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Now, like, again, I'm going to keep saying we love you. I'm glad you you, oh, you, yeah, you put you putting it out there. So, <laughs> so, look, you mentioned two things, you know. One is you got a Forbes. Yeah. Article coming out. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to be on the Forbes list too. You know how many, you know what I'm saying? Millions and more millions. I so. <laughs> I would like to make it to the list. But no, no. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, On that Forbes is major. Yeah. That's a big deal. It is. I'm, 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 I got to make sure I give me a copy. Mm -hmm, for sure. And then I'm going to get, and I'm going to get, I'm, I need a sign to you. By you All too. right, bring it on. Is this, is this the first one? This is going to be the first Forbes? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've, get, I've I, had smaller things in Forbes, like recipes mm -hmm. or whatever. But it's a this, featured. Yeah, this is a feature about uh, yeah. me. Yeah, so. yeah. We're going we gonna to get that signed, you know. Mm -hmm. You got a book coming out. I do. When is, when is the book dropping? It's called A Star Among Us, A Chef's Story. <laughs> it's a coffee table cookbook with a little, okay. you know, antidotes and recipes or whatever okay. the case. Um, it'll be out, coming out in June. I'm gonna throw uh, 
a book launch party for my birthday. That's the okay. way to do it. You know? Okay. When's, your, when's the birthday? When's June twenty third. Come through cancel season. <laughs> I see you. You you know we almost like a month tomorrow. My birthday is July twenty fourth. It's big okay. Leo season. Come on, but Leo you know, season. My daddy, my daddy a cancer. You yeah. know, so you know I, I mess with the cancers. <laughs> Y'all was almost Leos. You know, so <laughs> Y'all all right. Y'all just didn't make the cut. You know, that's okay. But now, congratulations on all Thank of you. that. And so, on, in your in your book, are you giving away some of your your, your top secrets? Or are you giving us a little uh, bit? No, I'm um basically it's my menu at Anzit Blue. Okay. You know, people are always like, "How you make them shrimp and grits? Yeah. Oh, how you get that chicken crust like that? Yeah. So I put it in the book. Okay. That way you can get it, and you can try it at home. I tell people, I don't. I'm not a chef who want to be put on a shelf. Okay. Okay. Most people take a cookbook. They put it in the kitchen. They put it on the shelf somewhere. No. <laughs> hell no. We're not doing that. Your paperweight. Yes. Look, paperweight books. Nah. I got, a a big yeah, I got a big monster book. Like, you're going to have to sit me on the coffee. You're going to have to put me somewhere. Nobody's going to wow. see me on the front of that book. You're not putting me on the shelf. <laughs> Man. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. I, I tell people a year ago, but never thought I'd be here. I was just. Cruising for a bruise, my homeboy just asked me to come help him. Like, mm. literally. And I was like, I guess. I wasn't even cooking. I wasn't even cooking. Period. He was you like, just, just come help just, me. You just popped. Popped. And then I met my business partners, and they was like, we love you. I was like, I love y'all too. Let's do it. So here we are a year later. And as it blew, got the buzz. You know, I try to keep the menu unique and different and very Nashville. Like so, it's very southern. And so for 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 us, the majority of us that don't doesn't know what executive chef means and what that carries. So what is a what is the operations of an executive chef in the kitchen running a restaurant? What is that daily routine to make sure us as consumers come in and get the best product, the best meals, the best experience um, at Anzi Blue? Well, number one is the creating of menu. Okay. Like, that is a very big part of a chef's life is being able to, number one, know your environment, okay. know the people you're around, what's going on. And not only that, you know, cooking comes from creating a dish, a single solitary dish. To be able to take that single solitary vision and make it for the masses mm -hmm. is a totally different. Not everybody has the ability to be able to do that. Right. So I write all my own recipes. I design all my own menus. I create the way that it's going to be produced. The product is the same at the end of the day. I tell people I even went a step above and made sure that my menu was digital so you could see what it looked like. And your food will look just like that when you get it. Wow. Because that is the challenge for me and my staff is to make sure that every time that you get it, it looks exactly like the last time you got it. So that's so being able to accomplish that took 20 years. Yeah. Because how you when you said you said it like it was a breeze, you know. You said, well, I mean, for me now, now <laughs> so, people so, are always so, like, so I got so I let me say, hold on, Jerome, let me, um, let me, let me humble myself right quick. It took a twenty years to be able to say it like that. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then people are still amazed. Like, you know, I go in cook for my, like I had people over to my house the other day, and I had a fish fry, you know. Okay. And um, I probably did in like thirty minutes, forty five minutes, the whole meal. They was like, "How'd you do that?" I was like. Phew. It's because my mind conceptually thinks of what I need to make first. So everything, by the time I'm through with my 30 minutes, yeah. everything is all done at the same time. 
Like that's I know a, a how long skill. it takes to boil the potatoes yeah. and cook the bread and be able uh, to fry the a, fish. That's, that's, and, nah, yeah. yeah, so... Yeah, you're a that, master. Yeah, so I tell yeah. people I didn't really realize, I don't think I realized how good I was at what I do. Yeah, well, you know now. Yeah, I know. I, was, <laughs> I didn't really know. Yeah, like a you year ago, I was, like, you, yeah, you, you really I was pulling my hair out when I first started. I was like, oh, Lord, I think I did too much, whatever the case may be. You know, and then I'm like, you know, I think of things I want to do. Like, right. nobody else has the devil egg flights we have. We got five different flavors on our devil egg flight. Because I had to overachieve. I right. couldn't just get one. Who right. just want one flavor? We're going to do five. We're going to do five. Yeah, we're going to get five. Yeah, we're going to I'm going to give you your southern traditional <laughs> one, but you're going to try these other flavors too. And so and so, what's the... Is What's what's the, uh, the the biggest accomplishment that... Like, what's what's on your checkoff list, like, like for your own greatness, your own goals? Like, is it to be, you know, featured on, like, a TV network and have your own show? Is it a particular award? Like, what is that like? What is your list for 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 star maybe? Like, once I once I do these, then I'm like, okay, I might I may relax. I may sit back and you know, like, bask and and enjoy like my success. I want a school. You want a school? I want a school. I want to be able to teach people who look like me that you can do what I do. It's not that hard. A whole chef school. I want a whole school. When you want this school? What we want? I can I can go now. I'm ready, and I want I want I tell people I work with a nonprofit organization called Cool Kids Society with a K. Okay. And they let me have a little cooking class with the kids. You know, right? I call it Let's Help Mom. Is what I call a class. Get the little griddle. I tell them how to make grilled cheese and like little soup. Whatever, whatever. Feed the kids while y'all doing y'all homework. Give your mom a little room. You know, she getting dinner done, but it's still, you know, it's snack time. Got to have a little something before dinner gets ready. Help out. You right. know? I tell people, my son was a great help. Like, right. he would do, he was like 10 or 11. He could separate laundry. You yeah. know what I'm saying? He'll do the clothes. Yeah. He'll have every, he won't fold it up because he was horrible at that. Right. But. Most he'll put your, are yes, like, yeah, but he'll put your basket yeah. in your room with your stuff in it. Like, <laughs> so, so look in, in my research. Mm-hmm. Come on, research. In my, in my top secret research, there's there's an award that you said you wanted. Yeah, I want James Beard Award. You want that James Beard Award? Yeah, I deserve that thing. And so I didn't know, you know, me not being, you know, in culinary arts or anything. I was like, what is the James Beard Award, right? So I looked mm-hmm. it up as a whole foundation and everything. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's top notch. Yeah, top notch. And so. What does one have to do? What have you seen people have to kind of achieve and accomplish in this field in order to receive that award? Well, if you look like me, you don't get it. Really? Go back and look at the winners. Don't tell me there's haven't Go been. Go back and look at the winners. Don't tell me it hasn't been a, a, a black award. Female. No, of, I'm not okay. only. I, look, okay. I just wrote in my book. I was, uh, while writing my book, I was the only BIPOC. Everybody was like, what's BIPOC mean? Black, indigenous, people of color. Right. Right? Right. I was the only one queer in Nashville. Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? I was like, I don't have nobody to talk to about nothing. What if I wanted to call my fellow chef and be like, hey, what is your experience? How are you feeling? I don't have anybody to call. Think about it. Let's help. I know I've been through it. We go through all the statistics. Like my business yeah. partner is big on statistics. Like I know that you know eighty percent of chefs are white men. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's only 
Seven percent of chefs are black. So what do we, and probably fewer than that, Three percent are women, are women oh, yeah. and 0.7 percent is gay. So where does that leave me? <laughs> so, so what that tells me, what has to happen is we need more ownership, yes. like yourself and your partners, in order to- So we can get seen. The opportunities and get seen. Because mm -hmm. that's what you have to do. I sit in a place where the opportunity- Opportunities I have gotten, I have created. There, yeah. there wasn't a place for me. Right. So I don't care. It's not a place for me. I'll make one. Right. Move over. It's, it's enough room right here yeah. between the two of you. Yeah. It's good. Let me yeah. sit right here. So that's like kind of what you have to do. Like, you know, I, I don't see no women like me winning no James Beard Award, but it probably would be nice. You and, and I'm going to put it out there. You're going to win it. Oh, I already know. You gonna win I already it. told the people. Yeah. It is what it is. When I yeah. said it, it is what it is. Yeah, you gonna win I'll it. I'll keep going hard until I get it. Yeah, you know, you gonna win it. I just yeah. don't want to be sixty. I would like. And to when be you it. and when you <laughs> look, look, look and, and when you win it, you bring it back here to Deep Dish because we'd probably yeah. be in the big studio station or something oh. by that time. You know, with our own little you know awards lined up, oh, and then we yeah. can you know we congratulate each other on our awards yeah. at a particular time. You know, that's what I'm talking about. about. Yeah. Well, look, this is this has been. <laughs> <laughs> this has been an amazing, you know, conversation. Like, mm. I thought I knew you, mm. but now I know you. Right. Right. And um, I want to give you the chance to, whatever's on your mind, whatever whatever we didn't touch on. You know, if we didn't, we didn't hit something you want to hit on, I want to give you a chance to go ahead and talk, talk about that. You know, something that you have going on, other inspirations, it's a message to folks. You oh, know, yeah. um, that you want to put out there because you had a hell of a journey. Yeah. And most people would have given up or would have stopped and just, you know, it would have good reason to, right? Black, woman, queer, from Alabama, oh. you know, <laughs> into the penitentiary. Yeah. You know, all, all of these things, all, all of these things that, that, that are, that people are defeated by every day. Yeah. You know, and now you finna be featuring the Forbes. Mm -hmm. There ain't nothing to, they ain't nothing to sniff at. You finna have your own book. That ain't nothing to sniff at. Oh, and don't forget restaurant. about Essence. Yeah. Don't forget Essence. Oh, and Essence. <laughs> you know, that's you know? the only black magazine yeah. I saw growing up. Essence. So to me, that's everything. Essence. You know, intentional about highlighting black women. Yeah. You know, and so when is Essence? When does that drop? Uh, July, August. So you going... <laughs> She going the whole summer. The whole summer. Whole summer. Whole summer is, is yeah. don't nobody drop nothing. The whole summer is it's all is, about is, me. It's over. It's a wrap. Yeah. Birthday articles, cook. It's a wrap. Yeah. So like and so all of that. Like it's got to like people need to one know about this. Hear hear from you and it's different, right? Like reading it in a magazine, yeah. Because now they're gonna be able to see you. They're mm -hmm. gonna be like, oh snap! Like both like, nationally syndicated. Right. I was shocked exactly. by both. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So it's like, so like, like one again, giving you a whole bouquet of flowers. Congratulations. Thank you. Because I, I might have to, I don't know who I'm going to have to call in six months to get you back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook deactivated. <laughs> I she got a team now. Right, right, she got a team. Yeah, this is, I'm like, damn. We at, we at that point. Okay, well, well, tell the team that I'm just Jerome. You know, we did the interview about six months ago. I don't know if she remembers me. But, you know, I gave her water. I, you know. I helped. I <laughs> talked about her. <laughs> but now, so, like, if it's anything you want to, you know, you want to leave with the people. You know? Yeah, I t my my mother said something to me when I was a little kid, and it just kind of always stuck with me in my life. So that's kind of like how I live. She said, "Whatever you do, be the best at it." Number one. Number two 
it doesn't matter if you fall down 21 times, baby. It matters that you get up 22. Mm. So all of those things continually, continuously knocked me down. But because of that foundation of knowing that I can just get back up. Yeah, I ain't right. going to say any days I don't cry and be crazy and right. whatever the case may be. But the important part is to make sure that I get up the next day to continue to fight. And if I would have given up on that a long time ago, I definitely would not be sitting here to do this. Yeah. So that of anything I have to say, that's what it is. Because you failed at something doesn't make you a failure. It means that you might need to pivot and try that a different way. Right. It doesn't even mean that that thing is the wrong thing. It might be just the way you're doing it. Right. Just continue on and get up. As long as you get up, you'll succeed. Man, I'm 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 really glad that your friend called you and got you back in the cooking because you yeah. know it would have been it would have been it would have like it would have been a deficit for the community. Yeah. You know, it would have been a deficit. You know, you might would have been working on aircrafts or whatever. They might, <laughs> you know, planes would have been able to go in the air, whatever. Yeah. You know, they would have been cool. Right. You know, but like you know, you you have really become like a a, a pillar of this natural community. And you know, hope hope we don't lose you. You know, because oh, no, I'm trying to I'm trying yeah, to over eighty seven. Well, you know what I'm saying? So, so, look, look, because people, you know, people people grow and go. Yeah, people grow do. and go. But I hope we don't lose you. But even if we if we if we do, if it's ten years, I know you're gonna always have a, a foot foothold mm -hmm. here. You always gonna come back oh, and yeah. get back. And uh, you know, if we gotta contact your team, <laughs> we're gonna do that. But you know, like, I, you got my phone number. I got the phone now. The one now. You know how <laughs> people get teams. You know, they got this phone, <laughs> that, and that phone. phone. You yeah. can call one day. Yeah, this number is no longer. You know, like ah, right, well, she didn't. You know, she phone phone shouting. You know <laughs> but no. Um. So I really appreciate you, and I, I I really appreciate your journey, and I hope people take away just don't just don't stop. Right. Mm -hmm. Just don't. No matter how bad you try to ignore. You're calling and and really just like no matter the trials and tribulations, you know, just don't stop and you know. Um, and the famous words of Uncle Luke, "Don't stop, get don't it, stop. get it, don't stop, <laughs> don't stop, get, get it, get, get it, it, you know." <laughs> yeah, so. get get it the, the right way though. The don't right way, know, yeah, the right way. But no, um, I appreciate your time while you have it, <laughs> and um, you know, um, you gotta come back. Oh yeah, you know, I'll be back. Gotta, she, we got it on camera now. She said she yep, got to come back, so we got to hold it to and, it. And uh, don't forget, I got jazz brunch on Saturdays and Sundays from eleven to one. Okay. Drag brunch once a month, and I started. I started something new because I like starting stuff. What's the new? Gospel brunch. Yeah, gospel brunch. Got gospel brunch. It's dope. It's so awesome. And so look, I'm I'm coming to all three. Mm -hmm. I've never been to anything drag. But I'm gonna you come should, check that's it out. dope too. Yeah, I'm like gonna come people, check it that's, out. A, that's the people we get. They was like, you know, it was I talked to a 70 year old woman last week and she yeah. was like, I never been. She was like, in my age group, we weren't allowed to right. do this. Like right. this was not a thing. Right. But she had the best time of her life. She was throwing so many ones. I was like, ma'am. Oh, oh, money is being thrown. <laughs> but, oh, yes. They want their tables. Oh, yeah. it's like that. Yeah, it's like that. Okay. So the little lady probably threw $50 worth of ones. I was like, no, you had a good time. She said, I and did. And she ate good. And she, yes. Because <laughs> every menu is curated. Okay. It's never the same, too. So if you see something you want to eat on there, you better come get it. Because yeah. I don't know when it'll ever be back. Yeah, okay. Uh, I don't. I try not to do two things the same. Okay. Yeah, you showing out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> show them skills. You show them skills. <laughs> well, um, well, Star, thank you. I appreciate you. No, I appreciate you. All right. All right.